0: I read a lot of permaculture books i i I study a lot of the the techniques but you know a lot of it is just kind of interacting with the land and seeing what makes sense right it's not magic um you know i have my garden kind of i'm up on a hill i go right down the hill into the bottom land right 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 at the bottom is like my garden and the garden is pretty big because that's that's what i've been mostly focused on like 2,500 square feet right now um and it's near the chicken coop and so that makes sense in terms of like compost and the compost in the chicken area
1: this is the farm hop life podcast a traveling homestead family i'm matt derosier tonight i have a special guest dr jason snyder he is a he has a bachelor in economics master's in geography phd in agricultural food and resource economics He's a professor at Appalachian State University in North Carolina. On Twitter, he's known as Cognizor. Am I saying that right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Doomer, optimist, podcast host, yeah. and a homesteader. Yeah, that's a, a lot, lot of things. More, more or less,
0: more or less. Yeah, um, I'm an adjunct professor right now. I'm trying to, I'm trying to get upgraded. Um, but uh, yeah, and I'm a baby homesteader. You know, this is I'm in my third year. So kind of, kind of learning as I go.
1: Um, sure. We'll have a lot to learn. Don't be all right. I mean, <laughs> even like a whole, whole lifetime, you could be just be learning. Yeah. Right. And hopefully, Definitely.
0: you know, it, is a, it, it really is a lifetime endeavor. I mean, there's, uh, I had this uh, tweet a while back of like, you know, you don't have infinite optionality, but if you kind of attach yourself to a, kind of an evolutionary process, it produces infinite novelty. And I think homesteading and community building is something like that. You're, you're committing yourself, grafting yourself into an evolutionary process. And there's always going to be new things to respond to. There's always going to be new situations, new skills that you have to learn or pick up. Um, it, it never ends. And so I, I don't think you can get bored if you're doing it right.
1: Oh, I absolutely agree. Yeah. So how did you get started homesteading then? As as you take a sip of coffee, Perfect Yeah. timing. Um,
0: well, uh, you know, I was uh finishing up, I finished out my PhD, um, was doing a postdoc. Um, I actually moved, uh, to the mountains in North Carolina, um, following my wife. My wife got a tenure track position uh, in this department, um, and uh, I think. I was pretty disillusioned with my my research, with my degree program, with the whole paradigm that economics um, applied economics kind of revolves around. Um, you know i was ba- I was basically being trained to be a technocrat um, you know a lot of my my work was somewhat interesting you know it had you know it was mainly focused in East Africa, looking like food systems uh, and agriculture related issues, but um, I just started becoming more and more. Uh, unsatisfied with the work, not enjoying being kind of just a data guy, you know, collecting right. data, and, and not really kind of believing the kinds of results we were getting based on the kind of data we were collecting. And, and, um, so I started becoming disillusioned with that. I got kind of involved with this program here, which is, you know, focused on kind of sustainable development, uh, really, really focused on kind of like local food systems. Um, and that's something that i've been interested in much earlier in my life and but then i kind of you know went went to be like a academic and you know technocrat and and I, and I kind of came back around to that um and then there was just a number of influences um you know various people influenced me where i decided you know what you know i think that uh my life would be much more meaningful um you know i uh, i would feel more embodied and things would be more wholesome if i moved towards more self-production more self-resilience um and and so then i you know we we found a place with some land picked up some books on permaculture and away we went
1: that's awesome yeah so you said you did work in east africa so you were on the ground then over there or yeah for a while
0: i mean that's that's um you know i spent uh several months uh in tanzania uh for my postdoc i spent time in, in zambia uh basically like collecting data, like doing surveys and stuff like that. Um, and you know, it was, you know, the intentions I feel like were good. You know, it was like, how do we, you know, improve food security for you know the populations over there? Um, but their whole paradigm was kind of like, let's make the rest of the developing world more like the West in terms of like the industrial ag model. And so you know, somewhat cheering kind of the influx of like supermarkets and foreign direct investment, and mm-hmm. um, you know, while also saying there are some issues with that, let's let's clean it up. But but basically, you know, in general, implicitly favoring you know the model that the United States and you know other parts of the world have gone down for several decades now, uh, at least since World War II. And you know, when I started taking uh, issues around ecology and climate and soil and biodiversity um seriously uh then uh and when i when i when i decided to really you know what what would it look like to kind of you know put those front and center in terms of not just on the sideline like oh that's a compartmentalized issue you know somebody will figure that out whatever whatever but like you know we need to like Increase productivity, you know, get farmers to be more productive. That usually means larger tracts of land, less farmers, fertilizers, you know, all of the whole thing. Um, uh, you know, if, if we were to take kind of the fact that we're just decimating the planet seriously, what would that imply for everything? You know, and, and that kind of slowly restructured my thinking, and and themes of like bioregionalism and localism started just popping up in my consciousness. You know. Um, sure started to become very influential for me. And so, you know, I, so I just kind of slowly, you know, and then at some point a couple of years ago, quickly, when we got the land started moving in this direction. So I'm, I'm pretty new to
1: this whole scene, really. Like I'm kind of, a new, Oh, okay. Yeah. I got you, Yeah. Um, um, but you kind of, so you got the idea of localism from, you know, doing surveys and seeing the, the stuff in um, East Africa there.
0: Not directly, um, you know, I, I think one, one thought that started to arise is, you know, what do us, you know, outsiders coming in, you know, just kind of collecting, you know, taking surveys, you know, collecting data, crunching numbers, coming up with yeah. policy recommendations, like what do we really know about, you know, the complexity of the culture and the food system and the daily life? Um, and I, you know, as I started reading like systems-related literature, complexity-related literature, you know, I started concluding that you know, not very much. Um, you know, the, the technocratic approach uh, is very is very arrogant. Uh, it's it's very condescending. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, and so I just started like you know, I was I'd like be running you know, regression analysis and things with with data that I wasn't sure really represented reality and getting results that are like, I don't know if this is real, you know, <laughs> and it just just became kind of disillusioned. So once my postdoc ended, I was just like okay, enough of that. Like I'm, I'm, I'm changing direction. And so I'm still in the process of like pivoting, you know, my life and figuring out, you know, um, my livelihood along the way.
1: That's fair. Yeah. yeah. Um, you also had mentioned influences. What kind of, uh, what kind of influences? Um,
0: so I've been on Twitter. I mean, Twitter has been, you know, a lot of, a lot of people have influenced me through Twitter. Um, sure. you know, I, I think for a while I, I got really interested in this whole movement called metamodernism. Um, then, I, you know, then I started getting interested in kind of like bioregionalism, you know, and, and there's, um, some modern day bioregionalists that are influential over like Joe Brewer and Ben Christian Wall and people like that. Um and then localism, uh, people like Joe Norman, uh, he was very influential for me. Uh, you know, I started reading like Wendell Berry, um, and just you know, various uh kind of place-based texts, right? I started when I when I got here, got this place, I started reading about the history of this region, you know, um, uh, you know, started reading like Fox Foxfire, Foxfire series and um and yeah, and so there's just you know it's it's hard to like trace a linear path of like influence. Right, like it's just so many so many things that that kind of weave together. You know, a sensibility at any given time take you down a trajectory. Um, you know, a lot of permaculture related literature um, is what really influential. I mean, just you know the the, the you know the mindset that induces to think in terms of like you know, site design in a holistic manner, you know, I think it's kind of psychoactive in a way, like it's just kind of, you know, it starts, it starts um, kind of bleeding out into all aspects of your life. Um, and the implications of that. So yeah, a lot of a lot of a lot of influences. I mean, yeah, a lot of a lot of people have influenced me along the way. Um, I used to have another podcast called both or I co-hosted and or co hosted and people can if they want to kind of see my intellectual evolution, they can check that out. But we you know, we started interviewing people from kind of all over the map, you know, all kinds of people from all over the ideological spectrum. Um, and they're, you know, there's kind of really high level conversations, like abstract. Uh, but over time, I started just wanting to get more concrete. Right. And like, OK, mm-hmm. but like, you know, how do we implement, you know, these interesting ideas and, and homesteading is like like this is is kind of grounded as it gets. Right. You know, nice. either plants grow or they don't. Um either your stuff works or it doesn't. Um and so that that that, that is, is that was really attractive. And it's it's definitely, I think, very strongly the trajectory I'm on. And and I will be on. Yeah. <laughs> what was
1: the name of that podcast for anyone that wanted to look it up?
0: Both and. Both
1: and okay
0: Yeah, both uh, last but if you just type in both and podcast, you'll you'll find it. All yeah. right. Yeah.
1: Just just out of curiosity for anyone was yeah. like, what was that? Mm-hmm. um you you had mentioned a couple of things back there post uh sorry uh meta modern, meta modernism. Yeah. what can you explain what that is um it's a whole rabbit hole uh okay this <laughs> perfect
0: uh, he's- hi yeah, we're having a, a podcast right now well he mm-hmm. might he might be around so I might be a, a little bit distracted. can he explain it to me <laughs> I, it's a whole rabbit hole that I don't know if we want to go down it's an intellectual it's an aesthetic cultural intellectual movements that wants to move basically or, or see society. There's different strands. Some are more prescriptive and some are more descriptive, but, but sees kind of society moving beyond postmodernism or needing to move on beyond postmodernism. Um, you know, it's, it's, you know, some strands of it are partially influenced by integral, like you're familiar with like Ken Wilber's stuff. Um, you know, some parts of it are influenced by complexity thinking, or, or like cultural stage theory, like different kind of, uh, structures of consciousness that people go through throughout history. Um, and so it's kind of, you know, again, it's this whole, you know, there's different strands and, um, but, uh, it, it's, it's kind of the more prescriptive strand, um, kind of, you know, sees, um, you know, society of going through like modernism of like, you know, moving beyond kind of traditional ways of life and like, you know, science and technology and, and kind of utopian visions. And and then postmodernism kind of deconstructs all of that, right, and it starts on the left, I would say it's now very much on the right as well. Like we're living in a, you know, in a postmodern cultural context, but still with modern infrastructure, and it's just not working, none of it's working. Um, right. Uh, for, you know, it's just everything's dysfunctional right now. I think a lot of people would agree. Uh, And so we need to move beyond that. We need to, like, we've, you know, we've we've kind of understood the problems. We, you know, we can can nitpick the problems with modernity all day long, but at some point we need to start crafting a positive vision again for society, a constructive vision that's um, not as naive as modernism and also takes into account and integrates the wisdom from kind of like indigenous consciousness, traditional ways of life, um, you are not, not throwing out modernity altogether, you know, taking sure. with that, that we still like, you know, and also coming with a critical skeptical view that is more characteristic of postmodernism and trying to integrate it all together into kind of a positive, constructive vision moving forward. I think that's my probably my nutshell version. And so, you know, that was very abstract, but then I started getting really interested in localism and I call myself a metamodern localist. Because it's kind of like two intellectual influences kind of I'm fusing together. Right. And I very much see like Doomer optimism you know, for me personally, everyone has different takes on what that term means. It's just a meme, right? Um, But for me, it's a very meta-modern kind of sensibility of like, yeah, we've gone going through the doom. We recognize the doom. That's the deconstructive element. Um, But, you know, let's move forward with hope, with, you know, with um, pragmatic hope, not naive optimism, but with, with like grounded real, like, you know, what, what is actually real, right? And how can we, use that as a basis moving forward. And so that's kind of how I interpret, you know, so it's kind of like in a cultural stage theory model, like that's where we are in, in the, you know, in society, I guess. Yeah.
1: I, yeah. I, I listened to uh, quite a few of the um, Doomer Optimist podcasts. and yeah. you, I can't remember which episode it was, but you had mentioned that you're more Doomer than Optimist.
0: <laughs> um, it depends on the day.
1: Um, <laughs> okay, fair
0: enough, fair enough. Depends on the day. I think our ecological situation, um, is very dire and, and, you know, think of when I say ecological situation, think of like life support systems, you know, for, for human, economic, cultural life on this planet, right? Like we're systematically undermining the very base of that foundation of the pyramid that, that makes that possible. Um, and so, you know, uh, you know, as well as like our energy future. You know, I, I think that, you know, we're going to be running out of fossil fuels at some points. You know, there's debates on whether we're at peak oil or or not or whatever. But um, you know, I'm I'm also concerned about um, increasing instability of the climate um, situation, uh, and and I just I just think that our current civilization as it stands is not long for this world. And and I think that there is going to be a lot of collateral damage, Um, you know, and we don't, you know, as as much as we want to prepare for become resilient, you know, we're all subject to the contingencies of history, right? None of us, I don't know who's going to make it out, make it out alive. Right. So, so, so there's part of me that sees things as very dire. Um, But at the same time, I reject fatalism. I reject nihilism, fatalism, uh, depression based on you know being like a you know uh, environmental doomer or something uh i I just don't think that's a good way to live it's not healthy and it's a self-fulfilling prophecy and so you know for me it's like i'm moving forward as if as if there's there's hope for real human thriving in the future i don't know where it's going to be how many of us are going to be involved with that but i but i think it it is possible and and i want to work toward that vision
1: so is that what, like, part of that motivates you to grow your own food then as a homesteader?
0: Yeah. Um, it's interesting. Um, you know, there's this whole debate of, like, what should be your primary motivation? Like, if you ask some people, they'll say, well, it, it should it should really just be based on it's you're attracted to wholesome wholesomeness, right? And it shouldn't be based on kind of this uh, almost, like, utilitarian um calculation where you know i'm doing it because of the world situation and i actually hate it but i'm just doing it and trudging but you know to be honest i think more of kind of my my diagnosis of, of history and the planet and where we are as a species led me in this direction but i have to say now that i really enjoy it right it's the most fulfilling like gardening being outside working on projects is the most fulfilling, like physical projects is the most fulfilling parts of my day. Um, yeah. You know, besides like being with my family and, and my kid and stuff. Um, and, you know, I just really enjoy it. Right. I, I, would, I would do this stuff now, even if it was, you know, just a complete lifestyle project. Right. Um, like I had no, it had no bearing on the future of, you know, humanity. I would still do it because I just enjoy it so much. Um, and so I, and I think that's, you know, that's key for it to be sustainable, you know, just to be able to do it right. Like you have Mm -hmm. to love it. It has to be some, it has to be, you know, and I think it is, I I think it, it, you know, there was, I think parts of me before that were disembodied, uh, de you know, I was like traveling all over the world. I was, you know, that was kind of my, you know, I had this, you know, I, uh, admittedly I had kind of a millennial ideology, um. And you know, I I definitely felt very um, kind of discombobulated, compartmentalized. You know, I got really heavy into meditation for a while. I used to be I used to be very religious. There's a whole background with like religion and spirituality. But but you know, to actually uh, you know put down roots, um, plan to stay here, you know, wanting to build a multi generational project, um, you know, has, has been incredibly fulfilling. And so I would do it, you know, even if. Uh, you know the Musk, Elon Musk of the world. You know solve our energy issues and you know uh, move half half the planet to Mars, and so we have plenty of you know our ecological problems go away. I would still want to do this because it's, it's oh yeah, it's,
1: yeah, of course. Yeah. You had you had mentioned you know you got to love to do it right, yeah. um, and I, it made me think that if more people actually knew what it took to grow a tomato, they would appreciate every tomato they yeah. ever ate forever, right. even if they yeah. never grew another one ever again. Like, wow, they're just working so hard to eat this. What like grow this tomato and it's just so we can eat it. Um, I think they'd have a whole new appreciation for food and that um, it's just, know, just, just a quick thought I had. Yeah, yeah.
0: no, it, it really, it really does. I mean, when you're, when you're actually going through the whole process of, Planting a seed, um, or raising an animal, right, um, or planting a tree—you uh, know—one thing for one—it's a—it's a kind of a form of nervous system regulation, right? Where it's not instant gratification, right? Um, and it's not something where you can kind of slack off and then put in a heroic effort and it'll be okay, right? It's not like how it was right. when going through grad school and stuff, where like I could like po- you know I could. Uh, just, you know, uh, procrastinate and then put in a heroic effort and be fine. No, it requires constant vigilance mm-hmm. but also patience, right? And I think these two things are very important for a person's character, right? Um, yes. And, and especially with planting trees, low time preference, right? E- even, you know, everyone knows the saying of like, you know, the old man planting a tree that he knows he know to live in but he knows what his grandkids will, will enjoy. You know, that's mm-hmm. That's really, I think, the basis of having a strong character. It, it, like it instills, it instills character in, into you. Or else, I mean, in order to be successful, you have to build character, right? It's, it's almost
1: required. Right. Yeah. yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, so then, following up there, since you've only been on your property for three years, I think you said. I mean, we're in our third year. Yeah, so we came here?
0: In, we came in March of 2020, right? We 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 Perfect bought this place right before the pandemic. We moved in right when things were starting People were starting to freak out.
1: <laughs> couldn't ask for a better time.
0: Yeah, no, timing was great. Timing was great. I mean, we couldn't have afforded this place if we were trying to buy it now, and that's that's the real tragedy of the situation. Is is so many the interest in things like homesteading has gone up so much in the last couple of years and it's just so out of reach for so many people you know and there's there's a whole bunch of political economic political economy reasons for that but it's it's just it's kind of you know tragic and so i feel incredibly lucky you know incredibly blessed to to be in the situation i'm in
1: yeah you so i'm I'm assuming what you mean there uh that it's It's out of reach for a lot of people that you know they can't even get you know their tenth of an acre to have one raised garden bed in their front yard. Is I'm assuming that's what you mean that they can't get out of their apartment. Well, so I mean, what we try and emphasize in doing our
0: optimism world is you know make maximum use of whatever leverage, whatever affordance you have. Right. So if you're in an apartment, grow tomatoes on the deck. Right. Mm -hmm. If you have a tenth of an acre. You can definitely put in some garden beds, um, uh, things like that. You know, if you're in uh, certain areas, you can have chickens. Even if you're in like a suburb, uh, of course, you have to worry about HOAs and all that mm-hmm. bullshit. But um, yeah, and so you know, I think kind of our motto is like, don't make excuses, right? Like, um, you know, maximize every opportunity you can. At the same time, you know, my kind of macro structural. Uh, with my macro structural lens, I, I notice that uh, a lot of the land is being bought up by private asset managers, right? Like BlackRock and yep. and, and other organizations. Um, you know, uh, a lot of boomers are um, you know buying buying up land. Uh, they're, they're kind of retirement homes in the country. Um, right. Land. You know, prices of land and, and housing has, has shot up in the last couple of years. Um, and I, I you know, I, I, think that there's only so much that, you know, I, as an individual, I say, do everything you can with what you have, but from my societal lens, I say, okay, something pretty fundamental is going to need to change in order to, if there is the demand, if people are ready, if people have been building up their skills and are not going to squander them, then, you know, we need to figure out how to get more people, you know, the opportunity to raise, you know, grow food, to, to develop homesteads, develop, you know, villages, uh, you know, to develop um, ways of life that, that are within reach, you know, you don't have to be rich to do it.
1: Sure. Um, Going back to your place specifically. Yeah. uh, Do you have a, like, you know, you said that you're like just getting into permaculture and stuff. Mm -hmm. Do you, do you have a plan for your property? Like, have you sketched out like your zone one, two, three, four, five, um, you know, any methods, practices or techniques yeah. that you're trying to trying to implement on your place? Sort of. Uh,
0: when I first got here, there's a guy in our county extension who's kind of a permaculture guy, I had him come out cool. and give us, you know, give me some advice. Um, and, you know, much of his advice was already kind of what I was already thinking. Um, so I have a lot of kind of like, uh, bottom land, um, you know, I'm in a valley, you know, in the mountains and I have a lot of nice bottom land, um, flat. Um, and so it's just obvious that I need to get some grazing animals there, some ruminants. Um, you know, so far we, we have chickens. I haven't, um, made the leap to get, you know, I want to, probably want to get sheep. What's that? She's upstairs. Go talk to her. Okay. Um, yeah, so I mean, I want to get I probably want to get some sheep, and I want to probably do some rotational grazing, right? Um, uh, holistic grazing. Uh, so that's just kind of very obvious, just based on the lay of the land. Um, sure. You know, and then, you know, I want to plant a lot of trees, it just seems obvious. And I want to eventually move towards silvopasture. That, that just seems obvious to me. So I'm, I'm starting by, you know, I have a little kind of orchard right near the house. But then I'm planting like trees along the edge of the property, mostly fruit and nut trees. Um, you know, and I'm trying to, you know, I'm, I'm thinking eventually like food forest type situation. And so I'm thinking about where I'm planting them with relation to water and, you know, sunlight. You know, and then I noticed that part of my property has kind of, it's kind of like a wetland area and water was kind of building up in a certain area. So I was like, oh, I'm going to put a pond there. I started, you know, it was a couple of winters ago. I was just getting kind of antsy and bored. And so I, I just started hand digging it you know, with the shovel. Uh, like every day in like an hour for like a month or two and I dug a pretty big pond but only like a foot deep and it was full of water and then that summer last summer it just it dried out I'm like okay well I'm going to need to bring an excavator at some point to make this a proper pond uh, but it's just obvious that that's where it goes and, and once I get a pond in you know then I can plant like you know willow trees around and I could get some some fish you know maybe some some bass you know fish to to farm yeah. you know then I could about getting ducks for example um because they'll have a pond and so you know, like so everything you know so I, I read a lot of permaculture books i i, I study a lot of the, the techniques but you know a lot of it is just kind of interacting with the land and seeing what makes sense right it's not magic um you know i have my garden kind of i'm up on a hill i go right down the hill into the bottom of the land right, right 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 at the bottom is like my garden and the garden is pretty big because that's that's what i've been mostly focused on 2,500 square feet right now Um, and it's near the chicken coop. And so that makes sense in terms of like compost and the compost in the chicken area. Um, And so, yeah. And so like there's like, so it's for me, it's um, I I haven't really done a detailed plan, something like that, just because, you know, I'm kind of just like, you know, it's like one month at a time, right? Like, okay. Like what makes sense to do now? Um, Sure. You know, this year, you know, we have another kid coming uh in late July. So I'm like, okay, I'm it not going to Yeah. Yeah. Uh he um my son, he he calls her Flower Girl. That's his name for her. Um <laughs> yeah. Uh and so I'm like, okay, I'm not going to get I'm not going to get cheap this year just cuz I, you know, it's, it's it's too much. So I'm I'm also mm-hmm. just kind of like trying to pace myself, not take on too much at one time. Um Yeah. And so I don't know if that answers your question. You know, I'm always thinking no, about perfect. how improve. So, like, last year, I I was just kind of putting, you know, the first year I was kind of putting seeds in the ground. I didn't really have a methodology. And then last year I was like, okay, I'm going to switch to, like, I'm going to try and switch to no-till, right? That just seems to make sense. I want to build up, I want to improve the soil. And so I, I brought a lot of the soil from the pond to make raised beds, you know, because we also had flooding last year, which which um, we get occasionally, uh, which kind of washed away a lot of the topsoil, which is really bad, Right. And so I'm like, okay, I'm gonna make some raised beds uh, to help prevent that because I noticed that the raised beds I had just a few, the water went around them. So I'm like, okay, great, that that makes, um, you know. And then I'm like, okay, well, I should probably put some swales where I expect it to flood from this little ditch when it rains a whole bunch. So I'm like, okay, like I'll put some swales there. So a lot of it is like interacting with the land, seeing what makes sense, and then of course I'm always like watching YouTube videos and reading, you know, things and seeing what people are doing on Twitter and online and stuff like that to, to get inspiration as well.
1: No, that was a perfect answer. I love that. So what have you tried that's worked well so far? Um, yeah. Like specific breed of chicken, you know, it's hardy for your area or, you know, it's just easy to keep or it's broody if that's well, what you're I looking love for love or love specific nut, uh, fruit trees, things like that. Yeah, well,
0: um, chickens are great, you know, and they're, they're really easy. Um, you know, we, we built a coop um, like a year and a half ago. Uh, we had our first coop and we, a weasel broke in, and so and, and fatally injured like three of them. So like, okay, we need to build a better one. Uh, so we did that. Uh, and um, we were still losing a lot of chickens to predators. We were kind of like letting them go free range. Um, we probably lost over a dozen chickens predators and so like okay well i need to build a fenced area right and and a net on top so you're losing to hawks bobcats Mm -hmm. weasel um i think it's a weasel i got those first three um but you know so now that you know i think we have a good setup for the chickens and it's just great right um you know as much eggs as we can eat um just a great great source of protein um fat and stuff um you know, we've we put in a lot of trees. They're still really young. So it remains to be seen um, how they'll do. You know, I put in tons of chestnut trees. Um, you know, not, people always ask what kind, um, not not American. Um, these are just stuff we got locally from Extension, probably Chinese chestnut. Um, like to get some American hybrids at some point. Um, you know, we put in a lot of, you know, a bunch of apple trees, pear trees, mulberry, hazelnut, um, plum you know a bunch of very like various berry bushes but they're still all just kind of in their first couple of years right and we're putting in more each mm-hmm. year um, and so I haven't we haven't really gotten a harvest yet I think I've gotten like one pair <laughs> so far as a harvest and like a couple of blueberries so it's hard to say what's worked there you know in terms of gardening um, I'm hoping I have high hopes this year just so I think we have a better setup Um and being much more careful about the soil um uh and things. Uh last year we had, you know, some crops that did really well, some crops that didn't do well, right? Our garlic was just kicking ass. Um I think that's like our best been our best crop so so, so far is garlic. Um, keeps the vampires away. Yeah, keeps the vampires away. Um you know, uh various crops have done well, you know, like chard and <laughs> and kale have done really well. Uh squash has done really well. Um, we haven't really, we haven't really figured it out. Crack the code with like corn yet. And our bean crop hasn't been the best. Um, and so it's, you know, it's been hit or miss. Our potato crop was okay last year, you know? And so all of these things are like, you know, plus or minus. And so, you know, I, I'd say with the garden, it's been mixed, but I have high hopes for this year that, you know, it's going to be a lot better just because I, I've done a lot more reading up on, you know, kind of proper soil management. Um, things like that. So I think I have a much better, I'm coming in with a lot more knowledge now of how to do it. i yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, that's where we are. And then and then of course, um, you know, uh, in terms of like physical infrastructure, I mentioned like the, the chicken coop, we're really happy with that. My, my wife's father helped us design it. Um, that was really helpful and helped us get started. Um, we're building a tree house. Um, slowly but surely that's that's fun Um, you know nothing we bought this house as is you know we haven't had any major problems with it yet but you know I'm slowly wanting to build up skills you know I I didn't I I grew up thinking very abstract thoughts right very philosophical and very kind of data analysis and computer oriented Um, and you know again the millennial ideology um you know just kept going to school because i thought that's the that's the thing that you did uh and so i need to i need to i feel like i need to build up a lot of like manual uh skills fast um and so you know i'm I'm trying to uh to do that uh to engage with that you know when the issue arises so yeah so it's 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 been mixed but I, i feel like i'm learning a lot and i'm definitely um optimistic
1: what kind of manual skills are you working on
0: um I mean so far it's just been like like building small things, right like like um you know the the chicken coop was you know a big one for me um things like um you know the tree house now is interesting um uh what else, what else um you know just just like small things like just like taking like scrap wood and like building like little tables and chairs, and you know there's nothing um, wrong with that, yeah, like very simple stuff. Right, so just just learning how to like you know starting to accumulate tools, knowing how they work, knowing what they're used for, um, you know, just just figuring out you know how to how to take lumber and, and make something with it, um, mm-hmm. you know. So that's that's been the major thing. Um, you know, eventually I want to get more into like plumbing and you know electrical. Um, you know, I, I have a long way to go there. Uh, yeah. But when, when then, something
1: breaks on your house, you'll definitely yeah. figure out. Well, you'll have the
0: opportunity to, to do it. Right. Yeah. And Unless
1: it's, it's like immediate, like, oh no. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Like, just don't use that toilet. Yeah. We got, we got, yeah. we got another one.
0: Right. <laughs> exactly.
1: Um, so, so far, what's been the biggest challenge in homesteading that you faced?
0: Biggest challenge, Um, I mean, time management is one of just, like, staying organized, you know, um, there's always a tension between, like, keeping your, the inside of your house clean and organized, especially with kids, kid, and working on outdoor projects, Um, so there's always kind of a tension there. Um, You know, unexpected events, unexpected events, you know, flooding, flooding. you know, uh, many droughts. Um, so figuring out, you know, just, just not, you know, not really understanding the hydrology, like the actual practical hydrology of the land. Right. And, and each season is different. Right. And so I haven't been, you know, if I had been here for like 20 years, maybe I'd have a better sense of the rhythm. Right. Right. Um, uh, you know, so like the first year it was like flooding in a certain area, so I built these swales, and then it just hasn't flooded there at all. Like no water has come there, and I'm just like okay, well, you know, <laughs> whatever. Um, yeah, it, no major challenges. I mean, part of it is like I'm not, I'm taking it slowly. Like it's not, I'm not trying to, you know, it's like right now it's not urgent. It's more of just something to slowly pursue. I'm, I'm not needing to rely on it for. You know to 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 feed myself um you know i'm trying to increase the amount of food that we produce for ourselves to become more self-sufficient but you know so it's you know the fact that we both have jobs you know we we have incomes um you know it it's it's a luxurious place to be where you know it's so so more it's like how can i improve the process it's not like oh my god you know if we don't get these systems right we're going to starve right and you know, um, situation might change in the future. Right. And so, um, you know, I expect things to get much more difficult. Right. Um, economically, yes. you know, with weather patterns and everything else, um, you know, I expect supply chains just more and more to break down, you know, like, you know, I, you know, that's my doomer part of me coming out. And so, you know, part of me is like, I'm glad that I have the luxury of like, you know, um you know this 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 is more just kind of like a hobby at this point but it's a serious hobby right it's a serious hobby where like you know I have in the back of my mind okay like I need to improve these systems um for you know whatever's coming down the line
1: absolutely I actually you had mentioned uh you had put in a swale and it like Wasn't in the right spot. It kind of sounded like I intentionally skipped over a question because you had already mentioned a couple of failures, not failures, Mm -hmm. learning moments. Uh, So what if what's something that you have tried other than um, putting in a swale in the wrong spot or um, hand digging a pond or uh, water going around uh, race beds, things like that?
0: Going over most of most of the garden and and going around just the very few raised
1: beds we had at the time. Yeah, <laughs> is there is there anything else that comes to mind of like hmm I should have done that different. Um, the
0: first year tree planting, so I've been planting like every April because we get we get it from extension and that's when they sell the trees. We get most of the trees from there. Um, and I didn't, I you know, I, the placement of the trees pr- probably wasn't optimal in a certain area for like sunlight capture where like you have the largest trees kind of in the north part of, you know, relatively north and the smaller trees relatively south you can maximize, you know, so I put like some hazelnuts like behind like some like north of like some apples and, and, and some persimmons. And I'm just, now I'm just like, that was stupid. Right. <laughs> um, so, you know, that's, uh, it's not a big deal just because um for the most part. Um, I I like the the placement of things. Um, Yeah. Um, What else? I mean, I didn't, I didn't really protect the soil the first year, right? Like, I just didn't really know what I was doing, to be honest. Um, And, you know, I didn't like mulch the soil around. I had a lot of bare soil. Um, You know, I didn't really like amend it with like compost or or mulch, you know, afterwards. And so the second year, like certain certain parts, especially where it flooded and a lot of topsoil got washed off, um, were we were, were seemed to be much lower productivity because of that. Um and so that was just kind of like, you know, beginner's mistake. Um and so, you know, so I feel like because I brought in new soil to make these raised beds, um I kind of can start over because the soil is pretty rich, you know, especially the first time you plant into it. And I'm like, okay, like I'm getting kind of like a, you know, a restart, a uh, freebie. But but I'm not going to make that mistake again.
1: Right. Yeah. You're yeah. you're allowed you're allowed some grace your first year yeah. or two. And
0: yeah, and, and again, I to... I feel very fortunate that I have the luxury to make mistakes and do you know in a casual manner not not beat myself up over it like I, I i'm glad that like you know the ability of our family to feed itself the first year wasn't contingent on on me making boneheaded mistakes right um right. Uh, and you know part of why we encourage everybody to start just growing you know whatever situation they're in is you know it's better to make these mistakes now while you know civilization despite all its problems is still Functioning, right? You can still go to the supermarket and get food, et cetera. Uh, you know, you still have access to relatively cheap energy, et cetera. You know, um, you know. Uh, I don't know if people are going to have that luxury in the future. Um, and so, I, again, I feel very fortunate that that um, I'm still we're, we're still able to feed ourselves, even though uh, <laughs> we're making mistakes. Right. Yeah. Right.
1: What would you say the best part of homesteading is?
0: Just being outside in nature so much, and just interacting with nature, with ecology, uh, plants, with animals. Um, Yeah, it's 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 just um, you know, in terms of like mental health, you know, like I think prior to this, there was you know, I I did a lot of meditation. Part of it was just kind of like, you know, I knew something was off in my psychology um, and. I think there was a kind of a hole or there was just some kind of lack, existential lack that is no longer there. Um, I feel much more just fulfilled on a day-to-day basis. And I attribute it to, to that. Um, right. Uh, you know, among, among other things, but I think that's the primary, uh, primary factor. And, and I, and I, you know, this relates to kind of what a lot of us talk about in more optimism space is, you know, there, there's a strand in environmentalism that uh wants to separate people out from this mythical pristine nature right and like throw everybody in the city you know and i don't know grow food in bats or something and and you know we're bad for nature we shouldn't be a part of it um and so we should be separate from it i think that's just the the exact the exactly wrong you know mindset right we we evolved interacting with nature right we evolved kind of as horticulturalists right of you know of kind of you know a little you know a lot of hunting and gathering but also you know interacting and changing ecosystems you know systematically for our survival right creating niche construction right and i, and I just think that's that's how we've evolved for you know um hundreds of thousands of years and until very recently um and i just think it's a very integral part of our, our psychology and when we don't have that we're separated from nature i mean don't get me wrong like walking going for hikes in nature is great that can definitely help but actually being a participant um in the process of nature i think is is what we really crave you know i i I, I might you know go so far as to say that that's kind of like the fundamental pathology in our society right now is is just feeling unrooted disconnected um you know from nature, but also from community, right? Uh, you know, yeah, the last several decades has also and structural economic changes has been very atomizing. Um, uh, now with digital technology, virtual technology, you know, hyper modernism, so to speak, it's just you know, you know, it, that it's just accelerating that you know by orders of magnitude, probably. And I, I just think people are are really um, psychologically damaged and probably the only, the, the only way to hey, Dad, um, for you. thank you, Claire. This is, all for, this is all for us. Thank you. That's great. Um, the, you know, I think the, the core thing that we need to go back to, uh, I'm hesitant to use this, this term return, which is a popular meme. I, I don't think we can return, but oh, mama, I think I we need to recover. On. I think we need to recover our connection to each other, to community and to uh, our ecology in the land. Uh, I think that's, that's fundamentally, um, that, that will fundamentally heal us.
1: Agreed. I mean, <clears throat> it's like, let's say anybody on any property, whether it be a suburban mm-hmm. lot or wherever you are or like wherever I am, if you, even you. if it takes you your entire lifetime to make the whole property, let's say just 1% better, like mm-hmm. you're going to, you know, eventually we're all going to be dust But if, you know, that 1%, maybe it compounds after you're gone and eventually, you know, becomes 2% better the following generation or, you know, hopefully someone will come in after us and continuously, like, make it better. Like, God willing, the Earth will, you know, be here long after we are. And so if you can at least give it a little push in the right direction, it'll... It'll take. It'll nature will take over from there,
0: right? Right. Um, You know, I think for many of us who are kind of waking up to our predicament, um, you know, I'm, you know, I'm, you know, approaching middle age, basically middle age. You know, I, I basically see my role at this point as laying a new foundation for you know my descendants and. Um, you know, for my region, you know, and also I'm doing podcasts, you know, people all around the world. So you know, I'm interested in the, the larger planetary context as well, but mm-hmm. um laying a foundation that, that others can build on, right. It, like we've lost, I feel like we've lost our foundation. Um, and so if I can just kind of lay a foundation as flawed as it is, um, you know, that, that can be the framework that, you know, I would love if, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not, not only these people who like, you know, I'm not going to try and dominate my kids preferences or anything, but you know, I hope that they'll um, you know, I, you know, I hope to, by raising them in this environment that they'll want to continue, you know, continue this, you know, this, this legacy. Um, we'll see. Um, so, so yeah, I, I definitely don't, don't expect to be in a cottage core, solar bunk paradise in my lifetime, but that's okay. I can get, I, can, I can get glimmerings.
1: Sure. Uh, have you ever taken a PVC?
0: I haven't, I haven't had the time, um, you know, or just, you know, um, the resources, uh, uh, I, I probably like to, although I don't feel like incredibly, I don't feel like it's incredibly urgent just because I feel like there's just so much information accessible online books. Um, You know things of that nature. Um, You know, I I think I I probably will eventually. um, Maybe when the kids get a little bit older, um, and I have a little bit more time on my hands, then I'll consider it. But yeah, I mean, I'm 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 pretty happy to just kind of uh, fumble my way and and learn through experience as well as you know as well
1: as insights from other sources as well. Who's Whose PDC would you take? You know, let's say you had the time and you know availability mm. stuff like that. Whose PDC would you take?
0: Huh. Well, the first permaculture book I read was *The Resilient Farm and Homestead* by Ben Falk. Um, mm. so that kind of gave me a framework that I think was pretty foundational for me. Um, so I'm tempted to say him, um, but that's tough. Um, I really like. Jack Spierko is a per, uh, approach to permaculture. He's on three acres. He, he has this rival podcast. I, I've it. listened to like
1: over a yeah. thousand of his episodes.
0: Yeah,
1: <laughs> well, I'm a fan.
0: I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't. You know, I don't listen to all of his episodes. I'm not interested in all sure. of his episodes. But especially ones on permaculture, I think are really good. I just think he's very uh, practical. Um, who else? Um, I don't know uh, what's that guy. Geoff Lawton uh, is his mm-hmm. name. I mean, it seems to be pretty brilliant, just in the videos I've seen. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, there's so many. There's so many, right? I mean, a lot of it depends on what I'm trying to do, right? Like, if I'm doing holistic raising, then I want somebody in, like, the Alan Savory tradition, right? Or if I want, like, you know, a kick-ass food forest, then then I probably want to talk to, you know, somebody. Like, there's that book, The Holistic Orchard. I forget the guy's name, but that's that's a really good book. Um mm-hmm. Right. And so a lot of it just depends on what area. And then, and then there's people who are probably good at like kind of like integrating everything together. Um, I think Ben Falk is, 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 is one of those guys. Um, you know, Mark Shepard, uh, you know, he's 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 kind of a badass. Uh, you know, he wrote the book Restoration Agriculture, which is a really good book. Um, yeah, um, I guess it depends. Uh, Richard Perkins is another badass. I mean, you know. Any of, these, any of these people, you know, would be great. You know, these are all kind of like the big shots, you know, the, the celebrities. But, you know, even somebody who's, you know, more local that has just kind of like been doing it for a couple of decades, I think that would be fine too, right? Like sure. everybody, you know, everybody has their own flavor. It's, you know, it's kind of an art and a science, and a design science, and everybody kind of has their own flavor of, uh, you know, their own thing to add. So I I'd, I'd probably want to consult
1: with as many people as possible, I think that would be interesting to get like all of the little flavors um yeah. That you yeah and a bunch of different i mean they i'm assumingly like uh yeah. if you if it's a on-site pdc and not like an online pdc uh yeah. they would be different different climates too i mean obviously they'd go over the other climates but you could see how they've done it yeah and and their climate so
0: yeah yeah um yeah. I mean, that, that, that makes a lot of difference. Like, you know, somebody who's suited to Costa Rica, uh, for example, is going to be very different uh, than the nor- Northern hemisphere. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, have you ever done consulting work to design someone's property in let's say a permaculture fashion?
0: I'm, I'm nowhere near ready for that or qualified. You know, I, I'd want to be doing this on my own land for like at least 10 years Sure. Um, you know, I, I'm willing to like give advice to friends, right? Like, like I would do it this way, or I read this somewhere that this is a better way to do it. But I'd want at least ten years of experience under my belt. Um, sure. And I'd probably want to have taken like a, you know, a PDC or, or, or something uh, before I, you know, I, I would I would just feel like a fraud if I was if I try to do it now. Um, That's fair. Yeah. No, but I get not, it. Not before really it yet. You know, you, somebody in their third year who, you know, who's just basically been doing it on their
1: own. Yeah. Not, not there yet. Who would you consider a mentor in regenerative agriculture or permaculture?
0: A mentor in regenerative, like a personal mentor. Yeah. I mean, there's just a lot of people online on Twitter and kind of homestead Twitter um, that's, you know, do really inspirational stuff, right? So there's a lot of people who do, like, holistic grazing, just, just on kind of, a, you know, rotational grazing, just, just on their own homesteads, right? So I have a, I have a friend, um, Josh Kearns, who lives about an hour from me, and, you know, he's just raising all kinds of animals, and, you know, um, I definitely, when I do start doing larger livestock, he's definitely probably be my major mentor for that, um, Right. Um, And he, I don't, I don't know if he would consider himself an expert by any means, right. He's, he's kind of just gotten started too, but he's a really smart guy. And, um, you know, his setup is really, seems really good. Um, Yeah. I mean, there's, there's people online, you know, like um, there's the account, Dow Orion, who we interviewed on, on Doomer Optimism. Um, And she's, she's been doing, you know, she has a background in like agroecology and permaculture and she does consulting work and she's had her own homestead going for, you know, 10 years at least, right? There's a lot of accounts. Um, uh, the, the account Happy Holistic Homestead, you know, she, she, like it seems like my doing just kicking ass and thinking names. And so, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people online, you know, I, I consider them, you know, Josh Haling. Um, he's just a, you know, just regular dude, you know. He's a, you know, programmer, but he's, he's been doing it for like 10 years and has a lot of cool stuff going on. Um, as well as just kind of a lot of traditional, like old school farmers as well, like traditional farmers, right? Like just people who just, you know, have been doing it since they were, you know, a, a child and just have a lot of common sense. Right. And they, they, mm-hmm. they might not even have heard of permaculture, um, but they just have a lot of common sense and they, they know about, you know, maintaining soil fertility um, and they know how to, you know, deal with animals. Right. Um, and so I also look to kind of traditional, you know, people who have been doing traditional agriculture as well.
1: No, that makes that makes a lot of sense. Um that's that's what I don't, when I ask people if they want to come on the show and just talk about homesteading and stuff, I think they have like a lot of like imposter syndrome, like yeah. What what do I know? I, I just grow food and have chickens. And I was like, yeah. let's talk about it. Like you don't need to be an expert in these things, like yeah. are you doing it? Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about it. Like,
0: well, let me ask you. So, to so your uh, your family, you're doing this, you know, hopping around the, the farm hop life. Yeah, I'm curious, like, what you've observed by by checking out different people's properties. Like, like, what is your what, what insight are you getting? And, and I'm sure you're learning a lot as well, like
1: witnessing all these systems. Um, tell me about that. So, uh, to be completely fair, I do have imposter syndrome right now because. I like we're 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 taking off next year, and mm-hmm. so to go visit other people's farms yeah. and properties, okay. um, we have a baby due in like six weeks. And so, oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I, was, so mm, the, I
0: was just coming in like two months, so
1: <laughs> not far behind. Yeah. not far behind. Um, and so I, I'm like, I just want to seeing these people online, like you're talking about, that are super inspiring. Yeah, those are the people that I want to talk to talk to and see what they're yeah. doing. It's like, yeah, like let you know. Um, I mean, at least at least fifty percent of my interviews come from Twitter. Uh, yeah. People are posting this and posting this and that. It's like, wow, that sounds amazing. Yeah. And just like you look like a crit, like uh, you know, just just people like how they got there can be interesting. Like, why did you yeah. like how did you get started? Oh, right. that's, that's that's how you got into it. Yeah, um, I just so many, I just there's find so that fascinating.
0: There's so many different paths into it, which is which is interesting. It's a, it's like an attractor point that brings people from many different walks of life. And um, uh, you know, I'm also really inspired by people who are like, what people who who what I would call are kind of world builders. What I mean by that is like, they're they're really they're they have built community beyond their homestead, right? They they built kind of like this kind of functional interdependence either they've they've yeah. been there for multiple generations and they just have it um, you know and I'm just have a lot of respect for those people that you know sometimes they make fun of homesteading it's like oh this is just kind of like this funny thing that you know um, you know city folk like to pretend that they're doing to, like to lock about and, and, it's, and it's kind of true right um, there's just people who've been you know multiple generations on the land um, but also people who've just kind of been developing you know, and, and showing, and you see it on Twitter, you know, like developing community. Um, So like one person, uh, Lauren in the wild, right. Like she, she was recently posting about, um, uh, you know, like this community event where she invited all these people over um, to their place. um, And, you know, having conversations about local sovereignty and autonomy and, you know, resilience um, and community um, and local food systems and, local, you know, just, just local economies in general. Um, and so that's, you know, I think that's that's really inspiring stuff by people who are doing that. Um, because, like, uh, you know, ultimately, I don't think, at a, as a household level, I don't think, like, self-sufficiency, it, it might be possible. It might be possible for a very small sliver of people. But for most people, that's not, that shouldn't be the goal. The goal should mm-hmm. be community sufficiency, you know, to, to a great degree. Right. I don't think mm-hmm. any of us are going to be completely closed off just the fact that we have to buy tools and we don't have local, <clears throat> you know, uh, local metal fabricators and, you know, uh, we're not writing our own metals. And so we're still part of this larger economy. Um, but, you know, at a community level that you're, you know, you're really supporting each other um, and, you know, you're, you're really developing a lot of, especially in the food system, food sovereignty and, and, and you know, uh, really loving, you know, tight knit communities. I think I think that's, you know, that's the most inspiring of being, you know, being a homesteader, developing the land. But within, you know, that's radiating out and being fed and feeding this larger context, I think is, you know, is really inspiring stuff.
1: You could get all your inspiration that you need from Lauren's account alone. Uh, yeah. I think she posted yesterday that uh, when she got home from something, uh, a neighbor had dropped off like buttered biscuits at her door. And yeah. someone wanted to trade like 100 garlic starts for uh, some lumber that because she has a sawmill now and stuff like yeah. that's yeah. the kind of community you're talking about.
0: Yeah, no, that's that that's it. I mean, that's you know, um that's the I think that's the direction that we all need to move in again. Um and it's really inspiring to you know see people who are who are really doing that, right? Um uh proof of concept, right? We need more proofs mm-hmm. of concept. We need more positive examples um you know for you know not necessarily all the technical details because that'll differ by by context, but, you know, just, just to know that other ways of living are possible.
1: Absolutely. What would you want to, uh, what would you tell people that, uh, want to get started? Um, pace yourself.
0: Uh, you can't learn everything overnight. Um, a lot of it has to be experiential learning. You're not going to read a bunch of books and then have it all figured out. um, you need to get your hands dirty. You need to start working with tools, start working the soil, start planting things. You know, start raising animals. You know, I think probably starting with chickens. What, what we did is probably the easiest way to go, or some small. You know, it could be geese or rabbits or something could work. Um, build your build your way up, um, and you know, depending on your situation. Again, you know, I think no matter what your situation is, whether you're in an apartment building in a city, whether you're in a suburb. Uh, there's always things you can do to start preparing yourself, to start making yourself, I would almost say making yourself worthy to eventually have the opportunity to say have more land, you know, to get more access. Right. So if, like if you're in an apartment, start, you know, growing things in pots. You know, this is this is what everyone says, but it's true. Um, if you have a few square feet of, of land, create a, you know, create a little raised bed, um, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Um, just maximize everything that you can do. If you're in, a, if you're in a very constrained situation, just you know, be creative, maximize everything you can do in that situation, um, and prepare yourself to eventually have the opportunity to to expand. Like, like like actually be bursting at the seams, right? Bursting at the seams. That to, then when the seams break and you have a much you know bigger space, you, you're ready to go. You're ready to go, right? You can jump right. in, you know, running. Yep.
1: Yeah, build skills with what you have right now. Absolutely. Yeah um so wrapping up here do you want to tell people where they can find you follow you listen to more what do you what do you have to say the the wisdom yeah. you you just expel
0: um uh, cognizor on twitter that's that's the main that's the main thing um Doomer optimism uh you know we have a substack we have a podcast um it's kind of a collective so we have a lot of people who host um you know, we have, we, we try to interview a broad range of guests, both the, you know, kind of the experienced practitioners as well as, you know, more kind of theoretical discussions. Um, um, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's the main thing. Uh, I think that's, that's most of my social media presence.
1: Sweet. I'll have links for all of that in the show notes. So, great. Mm-hmm. uh, we're gonna just hang on one second. We're going to wrap up and, uh, yeah we'll, we'll close this down, but I still want to chat a little bit. Uh, right. so I appreciate, appreciate your time and, mm-hmm. uh, everyone listening. I appreciate your time as well. Uh, and I hope you enjoyed our talk. So we'll talk to you later. Okay. Yep. Care, everyone. take care, Matt. Great interview with Jason. He's super switched on his high level thinking is pretty contagious and lots of great references to other material during our talk. Thanks, everybody, for watching. Please like, subscribe, and most importantly, share this video. Check out our website, farmhoplife.com. Sign up for our email list to be notified when new videos, interviews, and podcasts are available. On the website, you can learn more about us. Just go to the homepage, click About Us, and read about our mission and what we're trying to do. I'd really appreciate it. You can email me anytime, matt at farmhoplife.com. And I'm always looking for new people to interview. If you'd want to come on the show to talk about homesteading, farming, food security, homeschooling, just go to farmhop, farmhoplife.com guest. Also, you don't need to be an expert in anything. I'm just talking to normal people. just happens that one of them was a the doctor. So no big deal. Go feed yourself.